Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, Dortmund get caned as Tuchel pummels the Sky Pundits, Union's incredible losing streak continues, and Bo is no longer the selector at Mainz. All of this and much more in this week's edition of Beer and Honey. Hello, dear listener. I'm Rafael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we welcome you to match day 10 in the Bundesliga with some momentous results. Of course, no one bigger than Bayern's win at Dortmund. But there's a lot more to discuss. Uh, remember, you can really help us keeping Beer and Honey going by becoming a member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club. We very much appreciate it. Even better if you want to become an ultra and take out a season ticket, you'd get a little mug with those two mugs of ours on it as a token of our appreciation. But let's start in Dortmund. Dortmund, the informed team going into this game, buying with some injury problems, suspensions to Kimmich, that embarrassing defeat against Saarbrücken, third division side in the DFB Pokal. It was all set up for perhaps a Dortmund win, but no. Things played out very differently. Bayern won 4-0, a Harry Kane hat-trick, and Thomas Tuchel in the mood to take on his critics after the final whistle. Shall we start with the on-the-pitch uh, things? Christoph, were you impressed with Bayern or was it a case of Dortmund doing a bit of a Dortmund and caving in when it really matters? Uh, no, I was very impressed uh, with Bayern. Um, and I think Leon Goretzka summed it up perfectly, um, saying, we have sie platt gemacht, um, meaning we, we flattened, have them. flattened them or bulldozed them. So um, uh, if you look at the numbers, for ex example, uh, expected goals, Dortmund had uh, 1.16 and Bayern 3.74. So that are numbers that you normally see in uh, games when um, Bayern plays the Bochums and the Darmstadt of the world. And um, so, yeah, it, it was uh, convincing almost from the first minute, um, actually from the second minute when Bayern went 1-0 up um, after a corner that um, Dayot Upamecano headed in uh, till the last minute. So, um, uh, I mean, um, uh, Dortmund literally uh, didn't have a chance. I mean, technically they had um, some, but uh, you never had the impression that they can, could turn around things and uh, were completely overpowered. So very impressive. Or, or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, they had, they had a few moments, Dortmund, towards the end of the uh, first half and then the beginning of the second. There was that save from Marco Reus that Manuel Neuer made. There was that big chance from Daniel Marlin. I think these are the two uh, chances that uh, rack up the XG value. But you're right, uh, Bayern were superior. And if it hadn't been for some um, sloppy finishing, it could have been an uglier scoreline for, for Dortmund. What I liked about this Bayern team and this Bayern performance was that it had uh, different layers of dominance. Uh, we've become, we've come to expect Bayern to play quite of a passive game, playing on the break, 
And they did that very successfully, and they should have scored more goals on the break. The fourth goal was a classic counter-attacking goal. But they also played well with the ball, both in a defensive way where they controlled and managed the lead by keeping the ball a lot better than they had done in recent weeks, but also the way they combined to find openings. If you think about uh, the third goal, where there was that combination on the right-hand side where they slowly played and then a quick one-two and suddenly they break through with Kingsley Coman uh, on the right-hand side. Or the second goal, which felt like a counter-attack because it was one sweeping move with Leon Goretzka running through the middle and then Leroy Sané running past Mats Hummels and then finding <laughs> the perfect ball, but actually started deep in their own box um, where they had lured... Dortmund forward and then broke on them almost, even though they never lost possession. So I think Tuchel, and maybe we'll move on to <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the second battle of the day. I think Tuchel was in the mood for a bit of a I told you so or a bit of a um, you see you underestimated us, you, you criticized us too bad because I think he was generally pleased with how his team had played. Uh, and it wasn't, in my view, not a attempt to deflect or to change the conversation, but uh, a genuine uh, sense of relief combined, of course, with that anger of all the criticism he had received. But perhaps, because um, if we should tell our listeners or those who haven't uh, seen some of the clips on social media, what exactly transpired before the game and uh, and after ga the game between Tuchel and some of the Sky Germany reporters and experts. So two of the main pundits um, that work for Sky in Germany are uh, Didi Hamann, uh, people especially in England know very well from his time with Liverpool and of course Uh, the Lothar Matthäus, <laughs> the record Germany's record international. He is um, he is a pundit for for Sky for many years, and um, and both have criticized uh, Bayern, especially after they went out in the cup. You mentioned it uh, to in Saarbrücken uh, to this third uh, division team, and they were saying that there was no development in in um, the team. Uh, of the team under Tuchel and they were also suggesting that there might be something wrong between the team um, and the coach and obviously uh, this has angered uh, Thomas Tuchel um, very much would be almost <laughs> underestimated because he already started Uh, uh, commenting on this in his press conference and uh, be, uh, where he was before the game uh, in Dortmund on Friday, where he was asked what he would say about this, there is no development in the team and so on. And he was saying, uh, and that was a very, very witty, funny answer. Uh, he, he also didn't see a development with his pundits. And uh, uh, so that was very funny, but, but he, he didn't uh, uh, stop there. I, I think he had made his point at that time. Everybody had laughed. I think it was a very nice uh, counterattack, if, if you like. 
But um, uh, when he came to the uh, table, and there is this infamous in uh, uh, sky table that is put on the sideline of the pitch after the game, where uh, Lothar Matthäus, as the expert, is there. In this case, on Saturday, uh, Julia Simic, who is another expert, a former German international player for the women's team, and Sebastian Hellmann as a host, um, he was, yeah... He was pissed still, and um, and maybe you describe what went on then. <laughs> yeah, I think we have to even go one step back because in the pre-match analysis for the game, um, it was all all the talk was about Bayern's weakness and Bayern's problems and Dortmund's strength. So they showed clips of Dortmund's pressing and how well it works, and they showed clips of Bayern's build-up and how badly it worked. And Tuchel already listened to that or saw some of that before his first interview on the day, before the kickoff. Um, he also um, reacted uh, quite badly to that in his first interview, uh, refused to really answer any questions and said uh, he didn't want to disturb the analysis of <laughs> Lothar Matthäus in a very sarcastic uh, manner. Then... I think things from his perspective are probably worse because Jan Christian Dresen, the Bayern CEO, also joined the table pre-kickoff. And Sky did a feature where they showed the numbers of Nagelsmann and of Tuchel. And Nagelsmann, I think, having played three times the amount of games that Tuchel has played uh, for Bayern, or, or coached, I should say, um, had, had better numbers. And Hellmann's question to Dresen was, why didn't Bayern get a better manager? And Dresen kind of deflected, you know. Uh, but I think Tuchel probably heard that as well and was very, very annoyed after the final whistle and then uh, said he didn't really want to talk about anything. Uh, again, you know, Lothar has all the answers Why, why do you want to discuss things with me? Um, he again talked about this uh, supposed rift between him and the team, which I don't think was actually mentioned by Lothar or Didi, but it might have been somebody else. And he maybe got a little bit confused. Um, and then he left the interview prematurely, um, <laughs> saying that it was all too much for him. And he left with uh, the fine line, um, now you have to completely change your tune after we won 4-0 by 180 degrees. Have fun. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a nice comic moment where the three experts just stood there. And were frozen. And <laughs> for didn't, a have, didn't have a word, the words to, to fill the air Air silence. Uh, what, what, that air. What, what I was wondering, um, I mean, obviously, um, uh, there was an element of um, uh, Tuchel treat, uh, felt treated unfairly. And I think he has a point. Uh, maybe we can talk about this later. But um, there is also now there is a lot of interpretation. What does it mean? Is it, mm, is it just an emotional outbreak? interesting emotional outbreak that takes two days or so um, or is this a kind of politics that he is doing um, like uh, the good old Otto Rehagel 
um, uh, building a, a castle and uh, us against the world, us against the media, us against the experts and, and so on. Um, uh, what's your interpretation? What, what, is, what is this all about? I got the sense that there wasn't really uh, that much of a, of a strategy or calculation behind this. I don't think it was an attempt to build the us against them mentality. May, maybe, maybe, but it didn't feel like that to me. I think it, he really felt uh, like many coaches do, but rarely talk about unfairly judged unfairly judged about Bayern's results, about Bayern's performances. And he made that point, which is, I think it was quite revealing, judged unfairly about the problems that he had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Because Bayern have only had one fully fit centre-back going into this game. Diopamecano had to come off after 60 minutes because he wasn't able to, to play the full 90. Um, Bayern had no fully fit midfielders beyond Lima and uh, Goretzka, with Kimmich being uh, suspended and there not really being a, a fourth central midfielder in the squad if you um, overlook Jama Musiala, who's more of an attacking-minded player. And I think Tuchel felt really annoyed that Bayern's good results this season, where you know they have picked up as many points now after that win as, as any Bayern team have since Pep Guardiola's first season in the first 10 games. Three wins in the Champions League as well, albeit not always convincing. We talked about this on, on BN Honey. I think he was just annoyed and upset that everyone only talks about these problems and how bad Bayern are and all the deficits and uh, make him out to be one of the problems of the team. And I think he feels that it's just not a reflection of reality, and that he had to make that point very forcefully. Mm. Maybe he had sh should should have listened to us. Um, <laughs> last week we had with uh, Jonas Hummels, we talked about um, the pragmatism that uh, Thomas Tuchel has has uh, showed over the season so far. I mean, I think he he also knows that not not all of this uh, um, the games of his teams were fantastic. That it was not always fluid football and so on, but um, but that you could see that uh, whatever situation uh, came up, they uh, were able to manage is apart from this cup game. And uh, this cup game being a typical cup game and uh, with, with rotation and not. So Harry Kane didn't play. Maybe he would have come, uh, come on in, in extra time or so. Um, <clears throat> but uh, there was no extra time because Saarbrücken scored in the, um, and they, <laughs> they did it very cleverly in the, in the 96 minutes, so there were only one minute left for for Bayern to equalize, and they didn't manage it. So, um, all in all, a very good season for Bayern and Tuchel under very difficult circumstances. Yeah, so far so good. And if they uh, beat Galatasaray on Wednesday in the Champions League, then they will have qualified uh, for the next round as well. So, it, it's not that bad considering that they started the season with at least two players down if you think about the lack of 
options at the back, lack of options in the right back position, lack of options in midfield. And um, yeah, considering that he played Alexander Pavlovich, a 19-year-old, for uh, about half an hour in this game for lack of options in midfield, I think Tuchel deserves a little bit of uh, of credit and perhaps patience from from some of the pundits. But uh, where does this leave Dortmund, uh, Christoph? There's seven points behind Leverkusen now, who won again. We'll talk about talk about them in a second. Um, there was a sense that they're having a good season after that uh, ropey beginning. The results were good. They were unbeaten for 17 games in the league going into this game since they last met Bayern, in fact. Was this a big setback? Was it a reality check? Or does that not really change, or doesn't it really change the bigger picture where Dortmund will always be second best against Bayern, but can still beat everyone else? And that should be their their aim going forward. Yeah, I I, I think they uh, Dortmund were happy uh, about this uh, Tuchel saga because nobody talked about them afterwards. And uh, yeah, it it was. Um, Everything was so obvious on on Saturday, so there you, you wouldn't think. Ah, I mean, you would think. Ah, maybe they would have played better if Emre Can uh, would have been available and so on. But would it really change the whole affair? Mm-mm, I, I doubt it. Um, so I think what what we already have talked about is the quality of this. A squad is is um, far from the quality uh, Thomas Tuchel and Bayern have at hand, and and so uh, we also talked about the pragmatism of Edin Terzic, who was who is tr- uh, uh, trying to find his way to success with this team, find some balance and so on, and um, yeah, um, it, <laughs> it, maybe it's it's uh, uh, some. Uh, learning Fußball time for learn, uh, some learning Fußball Deutsch. Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. Bayern war einfach eine Nummer zu groß uh, in this game. So um, uh, how how would you translate this, or what would be the equivalent in in, in English, Raphael? I mean, the literal translation is one size too big. Um, as if, you know, you try on a shoe and it's just, uh, it doesn't fit and you can't wear it. Um, is there another term that sums it up? Um, yeah, they're on a different planet, different level. Yeah. And uh, everything that Sebastian Kehl, the sport director, said very uh, honestly after the final whistle, there, there wasn't even any point criticizing Dortmund too much because Bayern were just simply too good. Mm, yeah, and um, if you, if you I mean if you look at um, uh, the center forwards, um, Niklas Füllkrug was almost unseen uh, in the game, and Harry Kane. I mean, he is probably better than Robert Lewandowski was for Bayern. <laughs> Unbelievable, um, so cool in front of the the goal, so busy helping his team all over the pitch. So. Uh, just a, a great player. Um, 
But Dortmund had a great player um, uh, two seasons ago with Erling Haaland, and he he, he is gone. Um, uh, they had a fantastic player with Jude Bellingham uh, last season, and he is gone. And so, yeah, there is just a, a, a quality gap. I mean, maybe it was. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think it was hard for 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 um, Borussia Dortmund supporters to see how big the gap is, um, but I, I would turn it around. It uh, to me it showed um, how good the work uh, is that Edin Terzic has done um, in recent weeks um, to get these results with a team uh, um, um, of this. Limited uh, qualities compared to to what we see at Bayern. Yeah, and I think that's a a good place to move on to. Well, still the best team in Germany, still the league leaders, even though they had to work very hard away to Hoffenheim. They were two 0 up by Leverkusen with uh, Florian Wirtz and Grimaldo giving them the lead, but then Hoffenheim came back through Stach and Weghorst, and Leverkusen needed a 70-minute goal from Grimaldo again to get the three points. And now they are um, still league leaders and looking good, even when they're not looking good. <laughs> um, yeah, they set a record um, for themselves. Um, since they were promoted to the Bundesliga, and that is in 1971, it's the first time that they won 10 in a row in all competitions. So very impressive um, what they have been doing so far. And um, But there is a sense uh, you could, um, uh, f f from some players said it, um, that they are kind of waiting for a setback um, because, um, um, as you said, they they were not totally dominant in Hoffenheim. I think it's 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 also difficult um, because um, Hoffenheim is a good team this season. They gave away uh, their two nil lead um, in the meantime, and uh, so it was another good. Performance by Bayern, Bayer, uh, but um, it was not, yeah, on the level um, uh, we we saw uh, later on uh, at the Signali Duna Park where Bayern was winning. So um, it, it feels like it's only a question of time when uh, Bayern uh, takes the lead from Leverkusen. Yeah, would you would you be that? Um that pessimistic about Leverkusen's chances? I mean, they don't look like dropping too many points either, even if they're not playing at Bayern's level, which I think is too much to ask for. They are uh, technically, right now, the only contender for Bayern being being leader in, in the table. We said that. Um, but um, I have my doubts uh, that they will sustain it. And, and they have to sustain it because um, Bayern seems to be... Um, Seems to 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 be rolling. They're getting better, that's for sure. Uh, Harry, can we should just mention that with 15 goals from 10 games, by my ma maths, he's on for 51 for the season if he keeps <laughs> that going. Um, you remember that Robert Lewandowski set the Bundesliga record of 41 a couple of years ago. 
Cain might just smash that up if he continues that way. Um, from a very nice record to a very unwanted record, uh, Christoph, your dear friends from Union Berlin, I don't know if you saw the game you did live in the stadium at Alte Försterei. Uh, they lost 3-0 at home to Frankfurt, which was their 12th defeat in a row in all competitions. Yeah, and uh, I have a little um, pub quiz-like question for you. Um, maybe also something uh, where some of our listeners might win a beer in a pub uh, after they listen to our show. Who scored the last goal for Union Berlin at the Alte Försterei? That is my pub quiz question. And uh, if I can give you a little hint. Was it Kevin Behrens? No, it's a player that is not not been playing for Union anymore. Um, who has since moved from Union? To Eupen in Belgium. The Milos Pantovic. Ah, he scored. How, he, I, how can I forget? <laughs> he scored the fourth goal for Union Berlin in their um, four-four-one win in the first home game of the season. Uh, since since then, uh, they lost all the home games and didn't score in four hundred ninety-five minutes. So. Uh, opposite to everything we have learned about them in, in, in recent years, they are the worst home team in the Bundesliga. I mean, that is uh, 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 dramatic. It was uh, very moving before the game at the Alte Försterei because everybody rolled out the red carpet for Urs Fischer, a huge support from uh, from the uh, fans, chants, singing about him, and also a kind of official support uh, from the president who, who wrote in the uh, in the program that Urs Fischer is one of the best, he has the job and will keep it, and that this was not about nostalgia and because they had a good time together, but because they um, see in him the, the qualities to turn things around. Um, so that was all very moving. And then um, uh, the 90 minutes that followed were partly mm, quite sobering. I mean, uh, they were one down after two minutes and um, completely, I mean, the first 20 minutes were were bad. They were 2 nil down then with another, I would say, another Bonucci mistake um, involved in the second goal. And uh, then they played very well for, for quite a while. But, but nowadays they seem, <clears throat> nowadays they seem to be unable to score. And so, um, yeah, um, I mean, I was wondering, um, I mean, Union Berlin was what was a kind of machine in recent years where everything clicked, every, everybody seemed to know what to do. And, um, and I see this machine broken um in 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 many parts and it will be very very interesting if if Urs Fischer actually uh 
is able to put things together because what you see is that now he has players um, that um, maybe have difficult difficulties to accept to be parts of a machine uh, that sometimes uh, play the game they like they think they have learned how to play it, uh, how to do things on the pitch, but not always following the very detailed plan of, of uh, Fischer. So I think that will be uh, the job that he um, has to do. And it's not very helpful um, right now that uh, um, they don't have time to to actually work on this because uh, this week on on Wednesday they will also play in the Champions League in um, Na uh, in Napoli and um, so yeah very testing times for Union and now it's it's not like this ah uh, it's crazy I'm a lot of bad luck and blah 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 now um, yeah they are seriously in the relegation fight. Yeah, and will they contest that fight with Urs Fischer? Yeah, I will. I, I, I will. I would think so. Um, that because that was the, the main message on um, on Saturday from all sides, from from the club, but also from the supporters, and and uh, to be fair, also from the team, because um, uh, right now, uh, right now, there are no uh, internal doubts ab about him and rifts or problems or, or so. But this all takes a lot of um, energy, and 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 uh, and if the frustrating is mounting, I don't know if um, uh, what dynamics will develop from there. We saw different dynamics develop at uh, Mainz. They didn't fire Boswensen, but Boswensen resigned after a pretty bad spell. This season, uh, which even included a defeat by Hertha in the cup, that takes some doing. And they lost 3 0. 3 0, exactly. They sunk without a trace. But ahead of the game against uh, Leipzig, Jan Sievert, the iconic Huddersfield, former Huddersfield coach, uh, took over as interim manager. And the whole team, the whole club came together to pay a sort of a farewell tribute to Svensson and they beat Leipzig 2-0. Maybe before that, we, we sh should mention this very moving video by, by Bo Svensson where he um, explained why he stepped back and, um, and it was this typical, no one is bigger than the club. And, and, and he said this and, um, I mean, he had not only been, uh, the uh, manager of the team in the Bundesliga for three years, but altogether he has been 16 years, um, at Mainz, uh, in, as a player, the youth coach and, and so on. So, um, he was very emotional and, um, almost crying and, um, so I, probably that was one of the, um, how, how shall I say that, friendliest um, uh, separations in, in the Bundesliga. So it, it's like everybody is in tears uh, because, before, because he is leaving, 
but also everybody has a feeling that maybe it's right. And it showed, as you said, um, Jan Sievert said after, um, after this, uh, two nil, uh, win. And it was a first for Mainz in 14, after 14 games without a win. He said it's, uh, the win is for the club, the player, the staff and, uh, and for Bo. And, uh, so yeah, uh, very melodramatic, um, uh, uh, situation in Mainz. Um, and, uh, I think we can probably expect Jan Sievert, um, who has not always been lucky in his coaching career. Uh, you mentioned Huddersfield, uh, um, to be the new head coach. Um, he was promoted from the under 23 team that plays in the Regionalliga. And, um, yeah, it looks like that he will stay. Melodrama is uh, exactly, of course, what Erstefz uh, Köln are all about. Uh, thanks to Mainz's win and their 1-1 draw at home to Augsburg. Köln are now the worst team in the league. Yes, even worse than Union. Uh, it sounds implausible, but they only have five points in 18th spot. Süddeutsche had an interesting article, Christopher, I don't know if you saw it at the weekend, and they basically questioned whether these very iconic ways of coaching at Union under Fischer, at Mainz under Svensson and uh, of uh, Steffen Baumgart at Köln, whether those yeah, times were coming to an end. Uh, do you get the sense that Köln might be feeling twitchy and looking for maybe a different direction anytime soon? I doubt it um, because everybody uh, in Cologne seems still almost everybody in Cologne, at least within the club, seems to have the impression that um, um, Steffen Baumgart is still still the right man. And um, I, I think they have, um, have a point because when you look at their performance, um, they are underperforming uh, uh, coming when it comes to, to, to points they get from their performances. Um, but um, we talked about it last Monday um, after their 6-0 defeat. Um, I found that Stefan Baumgart was kind of overreacting uh, to this one. And then they also had a, had a bad uh, week in the German Cup because they went out um, at second division Kaiserslautern uh, 3-2, but they were 3-0 down. Um, uh, during the game, so that didn't look uh, look well. But um, yeah, uh, my impression still is uh, that um, Steffen Baumgart is the right man, and I think my impression is shared by most of the people in Cologne who have the say. Okay, just a, a couple of games to wrap up. Then um, on Sunday. Stuttgart traveled to Heidenheim, high-flying Stuttgart, but without Sarah Gurassi, and they lost at Heidenheim. The latest, the latest team to go down there, Heidenheim doing really well, predicted to be uh, certainties for relegation by, I think, both of us. They're actually in 13th place at the moment, courtesy of that win. Stuttgart... Just uh, missing a few chances in a relatively easy, even game. Was that was that your 
takeaway? <laughs> yeah, and and they missed the most important one. They missed a penalty, and it was already their uh, their second this season. Uh, this time it was uh, Zilas who who missed it. Uh, that would be been the one nil lead and. Uh, yeah, and this this penalty that uh, Zilas missed would have been the one nil, and probably um, things would have been difficult for Heidenheim to turn around. It very much looked like a crazy cup game um, uh, uh, with um, Heidenheim taking the lead after a penalty, and then had some uh, crazy situations to defense toward the end of the game. And then there was something I'd like to discuss with you. Another long-range goal from Tim Kleindienst from uh, the midfield line uh, uh, over uh, Alexander Nübel's head trailing into the goal. And this one, we, we had already won at, uh, we had it from Harry Kane the week before, but we also had it from Anton Stach um, in Hoffenheim, who scored the 1-2 um, uh, goal for for uh, the home team, and there was a funny thing yesterday. Our friend Arn Cycler, who was a guest here at our show yesterday in his program, announced that he wanted to make a test if all these long range goals were a result um, uh, that the the balls were are flying better. And so what he wants to do is kind of set up a a test uh, battery or so with old bolts and and the new one and then bringing in an expert kicker from the Bundesliga and uh, trying to shoot from afar into the goal i found that very interesting if that this uh, because it's 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 pretty obvious um that we have so many of, of these goals nowadays um of course, it has to do with um, uh, goalkeepers playing high up and so on. But but you but but we, I mean, we saw it once in a decade or so uh, that uh, somebody was scoring from um, from the center circle uh, into the goal, and now it seems to happen every weekend. Mm. Interesting hypothesis. Very interesting. Uh, keep us keep us informed how that uh, test. Plays out. I mean, who who will they get to to shoot those balls? I wonder. Maybe Klaus Augenthaler or Karl Karl Algöver or Milos Pantovic. Or Milos Pantovic. <laughs> yes, yeah. if he's not too busy in at, Eupen. Uh, at Eupen. Okay, VfL um, Bochum, Christoph, uh, your other team that you care a lot about. What did they do on Friday night? Um, uh, they won uh, the first game of the season, so um, officially there are... Thank you. There is no team with Mainz and Bochum winning. There is no team in the Bundesliga anymore that hasn't won this season. And it was probably the worst game of the season between Darmstadt and, and Bochum. So the... Um, I don't know if there were... What, what a surprise. What, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, uh, a lot of nerves playing in there, and uh, Bochum was uh, was uh, one man up for the last about twenty minutes because Fabian Holland got the fourth straight red card that uh, for Darmstadt um, uh, this season. Uh, that three more 
than any other team in the Bundesliga. And, um, and Bochum was so nervous to defend their, their one, uh, goal lead. They were two, two one up after two goals from Takuma Asano. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, as a fan, these are the games, uh, where you, uh, dramatically get older. So, um, Yeah, so uh, Bochum winning and uh, we have two more games uh, to mention. Uh, on Sunday, it was a 2-2 uh, draw between uh, Wolfsburg and uh, Frankfurt. And um, Freiburg was also uh, drawing at home after going out in the German Cup uh, during the week against uh, Paderborn losing 1-3, and again this time they conceded three goals from Borussia Mönchengladbach, but um, scored the equalizer in the uh, last minute. So, yeah, uh, Christian Streich being very frustrated about um, uh, his team giving away so many goal chances uh, this time of the season. and uh, But I think he was kind of happy about that they at least get got a draw. All right. I think that sums up for this week's edition of Beer and Honey. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back with a special edition for our supporters on Thursday morning, looking back at the exports of the German teams in the Champions League. And then, of course, we'll be back for our regular uh, session before the international break next Monday. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Remember, you can become a supporter by becoming a member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club or even better, become an ultra. All the information is on steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey. I was Rafael Onigstein. I was Christoph Biermann and we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.